I'm Kier Harris, this is my podcast, Life in Overdrive, and it's my excuse to have conversations with people who have way more interesting lives than me. This is episode one, featuring Alex Correa from The Attack, over at twitch.tv slash The Attack. These guys, if you remember Attack of the Show, back when the G4 television network was a thing, The Attack is basically Attack of the Show. It's the brainchild of Kevin Pereira, the former host of Attack of the Show, Alex Correa, the current host of The Attack, who co-hosts with Kevin and a swath of rotating guests, and Yuniv Fatucci, a former producer of Attack of the Show. So, in a lot of ways, it's like getting the old band back together, and it's it's like having a friend back that I haven't seen in a long time. That show was really important to my childhood, and since it went off the air, there hasn't been anything like it. And I'm so excited to see the attack doing what they're doing and trying to bring back this sort of content to the world. And Twitch seems like the perfect place for it to me, because it's already the go-to place for people that want to watch uh, streaming video games. It's a huge video game community. It just seems like the perfect place for a video game and tech news network work to spring out of because it's already got the audience built in all of these people who are interested in twitch are going to be interested in this stuff and if you're a fan of twitch if you like watching streams but you've never heard of the attack i urge you to go over to twitch.tv slash the attack and check out what they've got because the content that they're producing is something the game industry desperately needs and they deserve to have a much larger following than they have right now so if you haven't checked them out please do As for this podcast in general, we're going to have content producers, adventurers, people who have been to the far ends of the earth, scientists, basically anybody who has an interesting story to tell or an interesting point of view to talk about or conversation to have. If that sounds like something you guys are interested in, then buckle up because it's going to be a fun ride. And now let's get to my interview with Alex Correa, one of the funniest people I've ever met in my entire life and someone I feel so lucky to be able to call a friend. I hope you guys enjoy. Twenty bucks and a couple ideas Is it close and I'll play them again Can I live in this world of sin With the Holy Ghost being my kin No I think uh, if you're going to introduce me, you need to talk about just my statuesque being. Right, obviously. I mean... My silky smooth voice that can rock any baby to sleep. Although, I'm actually allergic to babies, so don't bring a baby near me because I will smack that shit. <laughs> and then, lastly... Your ability to a, uh, bring a woman to orgasm by merely glancing across the room in her direction? That's a lie. That's honestly something. And uh, very awkward when I'm with my grandmother. I, honestly, it's, it's a problem I have. My nana gets me a card, and then bam, on the floor, she's she's squirming, she's <laughs> screaming, and it's no good. Honestly, it's 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 more of a problem than you'd think. And then if if you can have a woman orgasm by just looking at her, then what fun do I get to have? Because listen, it's 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 a great thing to it's a great thing to do. All guys would recommend 
make your lady happy. But if that's all you're doing is looking at them and then they get off and then they want to eat Ben and Jerry's and go to bed, then what are you left with? Then you're just jerking off and thinking about your power, which is weird. Because I don't think any superhero should jerk off to their own power, unless it's super rad. And I don't think Orgasmo is a good superhero. That's all I'm saying. No, that's probably true. And I mean, are you even capable of shutting it off? Like, it, it's almost like a curse if, like, just any woman that walks into your general vicinity spontaneously erupts into orgasm. Yeah, like, what if I wanted to have a, 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 a nice conversation with Condoleezza Rice? Ruined. We cannot talk about foreign policy anymore. We can talk about how you're finishing on the floor. I don't know what... I, <laughs> I don't know why these women are all finishing on the floor. Maybe there's, maybe they have pants on. In my mind, they don't. That's also part of my power. I mean, what if you're uh, getting on a plane to fly somewhere and your pilot happens to be a woman? Exa- well, then... That's, that's bad news for you, man. Yeah, wait. But it's bad news because my pilot's a woman? Kier, I really want to voice <laughs> how inappropriate that joke was and how much I disagree <laughs> with your stance on female pilots. I think they fly... Just as much as any male pilots. And if I had a power, I would like to make males or- male orgasms happen just as easily as lady orgasms. Okay, fair enough. Thank you. Can, you. You, can make, you can make everybody orgasm equally. That, well, that's... Thank God. Yes, all women and men should come when I see them. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I have already, and we're only six minutes into this conversation. Well, that's a, that's a goddamn record for podcasts. I'd say put a stamp on it. This, is, this is, goes down in the Guinness Book of Record holders book all right so anyways yes <laughs> you were telling me earlier how you thought it was an interesting story how you came to be at the same podcasting convention that kevin Pereira was at oh yes so basically that uh what the question i the way, how you first posed it to me was how did i end up at a podcasting festival just an 18 year old it sounds like something a 34 year old who's really into craft beer would go to and has a beard and a kid he doesn't like would be like, I'm going to go to this podcast festival. But uh, yes, alas, I was 18 years old, and uh, I was at the 2013 Los Angeles Podcast Festival. I don't even know. I think I knew that Kevin was going to be there. I wasn't. I, I, actually, I did. I did. I did know that Pointless was going to be there. I was like, oh, I'll go check out Pointless. I went to go see uh, the indoor. It was basically the indoor kids and Pointless is what I wanted to go see. And um, it was right after, it was actually right when I first started college. I, I moved from New Jersey to Los Angeles and um, I went to college. And then you think it was like my second week of college. I would probably be like going around trying to do college stuff. But um, I actually, the first week of school ever, I, uh, I broke my hand something fierce. And you can actually, it's a very long story. You can hear the story actually on uh, the episode with Ilya, Pos- uh, Ilya Posen which was recorded at that podcast festival, which I happened to explain my injury on. Uh, and I, I hurt myself something fierce. I broke my hand. My face got all fucked up. And uh, I was like, like the first week of school, I was, when everyone's hanging out, I was all broken and full of Vicodin and all sad. And then I was like, I should do something that I like. Because the whole first week, if, if anyone has not been to college, first of all, high five, congratulations. How do, how, what's it like not being in debt? Also, it's like, it's a lot of people, you like try to meet everyone, but everyone's kind of weird and you're like, what, do you just want to be back with your old friends? And you're like, man, all my old friends like the same shit because we all grew up together and we like video games and podcasts and skateboarding and Totino's pizza rolls and whatever high school kids like, and you're all weird and different. So it's like, it's a, it's a real shitty time. So I kind of just wanted to go, uh, be with my people, which were the nerdy podcasty type people. So I was like, 
fuck it, no one wants to go with me to the podcast festival, and I just had like a weekend of, of feeling all dejected and broken, I will go to this podcast festival. So that, that is what I did. So you, you wound up at a podcast convention because you were sad, lonely, and dejected, basically. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, basically. I mean, I, I, I made some, some friends. You make the first week of college, the people who happen to live on your floor, and I was like, these, these people aren't, aren't great people. I'm going to go... Uh, I, you know, I wasn't like, I want to go home. I was like, I can fix this, but I also just want to go and have a conversation that isn't about like sports I don't like or how much I'm not into surfing. Cause apparently in Southern California, everyone in college likes surfing. And I was like, I don't give a shit about surfing. So I was like, I will go and talk about video games and comic books and stuff with nerdy middle-aged men at a, uh, at a podcast festival. Uh, so I did. And I went, and uh, I talked to some people, and it was fun. I was like, I don't have to pretend not to like <laughs> these things, and that's what I did. So I was like, I will go alone, and I did go alone. And then uh, I know that you first ran into Kevin during his show. Whenever you had to get up, and well, you didn't have to get up and ask a question. No one was holding a gun to your head. You voluntarily got up to ask a question to Kevin. And if I recall correctly, uh, it was close to the end of the time that he had, so we didn't really have time to actually get to your question. Yeah. So. That that question, the only reason I decided to ask it with Kevin is because I previously talked on Jordan Jesse Go. And I was like, I, when I first got to college, in high school, I didn't do any, any enter, you know, I, I didn't do any theater or drama, anything. So I was actually very uncomfortable with talking in front of people. Uh, and that changed kind of after the, um, it's actually when I got to college, I started working at the TV station and doing like small little acting things at the college TV station. And I started doing stand-up at, at college and stuff. So I, I was just getting comfortable with talking in front of a crowd of people. And I just said something maybe an hour ago during the Jordan Jesse Go. And I was like, you know what? I like Kevin. Uh, you know, I look up to him. Uh, and I'm going to just ask him a question. So I got up and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll ask a question. It was probably a hard thing for you to do, seeing as how you hadn't really had a lot of experience getting up in front of people before. Yeah, uh, I don't really know what what happened. That, <laughs> like, I it, thinking back, I was like, I don't know why I did that. Like, I honestly, I don't know what my life would be like if I hadn't. But if I try to put my myself in my brain of what I like used to think of talking in front of people, I probably would not have volunteered to do that. But there was something about going up and speaking just before Jordan Jesse Go that I was like, nah, I could do it super good, which wasn't. I, I was I stumbled through the entire thing and I embarrassed myself, but I had fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm someone who's been in a bunch of different rock bands and stuff, and I've been up on stage playing music a couple hundred times at this point. I, I know what the nerves are like getting up in front of a crowd of people and trying to do something creative and how debilitating that can be. So it's kind of impressive that you were that you were even able to do that because I know that the first time I got up on stage and played drums in front of someone, I was petrified. And I'm sure that my performance was absolutely fucking terrible. But, I mean, you kind of have to, you know, get through that the first couple times until it ever gets better. You have to get comfortable up there, and the only way to do it is by doing it. Yeah. Well, I, I actually, I uh, I met Kevin in the elevator before his podcast, and I just, I didn't really say much. Um, I think I said, like, I, sh I, I shit my pants or something. I said something really <laughs> stupid, and then I remember him just saying, well, can I have a sniff? And then he was like, I gotta go. And then uh, the next time I talked to him, it was it was that question, yeah. <laughs> 
So uh, how do you go from bumbling through a question? Wow, I'm, I'm really being hard on you today, aren't I? You went to this festival because you were sad and depressed. You bumbled through a question. Uh, but um, how do you go from asking this question to him to being a cast member on his streaming channel? Like, where does that transition happen? Well... Basically, the the end of that story is that I uh, I didn't have time to answer my question. He asked me how I broke my hand, and I went off on this whole tangent, which you can listen to on the uh, on the podcast. And then my question was basically, I I am eighteen. I just moved here. I know nobody. I want to do this. Can you like if you, what would you tell your eighteen year old self? And uh, he said very meaningful things, but then he said, you know what, I'm not done with this. Come meet me after the show, and we can continue talking about what you should be doing and what you should not be doing. Uh, so we did that, and I met him after the show. I let him, you know, say hi to everyone who wanted to say hi and, and uh, talk to him. And then after he was done with everyone, I came over, and he was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I go to school for this, this, and this. He was like, okay, do you do what you want to be doing? Like, do you make these videos, and do you say these things, and do you do what you want? And I was like, kind of. Uh, I work for the, the college TV station. We make little videos that I hate. And he's like, yeah, don't do that. And I was like... <laughs> Fair enough. That's that's uh, all someone needed to say was to do that. And he was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, in hindsight, this normally 100% of the time doesn't work. But I was like, I could come work for you for free. I would love to do that. And he was like, I, I mean, honestly, to attest to the kind of man that uh, that, that, that Kevin and he was, he was like, uh, yeah, you could totally do that. But if you, you know, want somewhere with a future, you can go, I can go maybe get you an internship at Nerdist. Or I was like, no, 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 I'm I'm good. I believe in what you do and what you want to do. And even if, you know, you are on a sinking ship, I would love to come and learn, you know, with you. And he was like, uh, he was, he, he told, he gave me the email <laughs> to Yaniv and he's like, go talk to this guy. He'll, he'll set you up. And I, I th- think that's funny how he's just like, uh, you, you probably don't want to do this. I can get you, I can get you in bed with Chris Hardwick if you want to do that, but you, you probably don't want to do anything with me. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly how I pawned it off. And I was like, no, man, I, I would love, I, I believe in you and what you are going to do. And he was like, sure, contact you, Neve. And I think he's, he's expressed to me that I was, I seemed a little bit too crazy. And I don't, I think the thing is that he forgot to tell you, that. So Yaniv was like, sure. <laughs> Uh, they were shooting the first episode of real, the pilot of Real Housewives of Horror then, and Yaniv was like, hey, we'll come try you out, come to the Real Housewives of Horror, see how you do, and see if, you know, we can use you in the, in the future. And then uh, I went to the taping, and I was just a PA for, like, that day was nuts. It was, like, an 18-hour day. I got there at, like, 6 in the morning. I went home at, like, 10 at night. Don't check my map. I don't know if that actually, that's actually 16 hours. But it was a, it was a fucking nutty-ass day, and I, yeah, I just was just a PA the whole day. And I remember the day before, they were like, can you also bring uh, just a small, like, tuxedo and a little vest and a bow tie? And I was like, sure. So the night before, I had to go to, like, a Macy's, and I was also an extra in the background. And it was a super fun day. And then uh, they brought me back to the office, and they were like, hey, y- you weren't terrible at that, and you didn't stab anybody. So if you want to come back, we're not doing anything this year, but come back in December or January, I forget, and you can uh, you can come just do stuff for us. And that's what I did. And then for about a year and a half, I... Uh, I worked at Super Creative, and slowly I started to take care of all the uh, all the producing needs here and there that needed to be done, and, and that's how I got here. That's such a cool story. It, it reminds me a little bit of how I got involved in IGN, and bear, bear with my story time for just a second, because it's going to come to a point eventually. I, I don't know if you know who uh, Per Schneider is, one of the founders of IGN. He sounds delicious. He, he does. He really does. 
But whenever I decided that I wanted to start writing for them, I had already been writing for Cracked.com for a while, so Mm -hmm. I had a lot of writing experience under my belt. And being the naive person that I was, I was like, oh, I'll just shoot an email to one of the founders of IGN, and maybe they'll be like, yeah, sure, come write for us, because that always works out, right? Pear emailed me back the next day, and he was like, oh yeah, here's here's the email for Justin Davis, the guy in charge of features over here. Just uh, pitch some stuff to him. And I just, like, I, I was expecting no response whatsoever. Yeah. And he was just like, oh no, totally, write some stuff for us. It sounds like that's kind of similar to what happened with you and Kevin, and I think that that's really weird that things like that happen on a really frequent basis, but people are always afraid to just ask. Yeah, the the uh, people, you'd be surprised. The hard part is not the dumb luck of getting an in and saying someone giving you a chance. It's like doing it. People are not good at doing it. And like, you know, even with us, there, there's, there's, we have, we have interns now who are very dedicated and they're great. But in the past, like there's been, there's been people who just, who are not up for doing it. And then, you know, their, their in is wasted if they don't put the work in. So like, if anyone out there is like, man, I would really love to write for Polygon. Just like fucking send them an email. And then once, once they're like, yeah, what do you have? Have something to say? And then I have ideas, and then if they're good, you did it. Like it's not—it's <laughs> not impossible. It's not the fucking wild west. It's if you want to do something and you really want to do something, because it's not super easy. But if you really want to, it's totally doable. I, I think a lot of people are so focused on uh, getting in touch in the first place, though, and like making people understand how much they want the job. That whenever it comes time to be like, and this is what I can do for you, they're like, wait a second, I don't have anything. I spent all my time and energy on getting in touch with you in the first place. Yeah, it's not it's not all like secret clubs and passwords. It's like ta- talent and skill and personal perseverance and if you have that it doesn't matter if someone is like the second cousin of the guy who owns the company it's like you you will stand out as everyone else in the world is probably a shithead except for you and everyone else who works at that job so like just be (laughs) smart and interesting and have ideas and have your your work cannon ready to launch and then i think anyone can do anything they want to that seems uh that seems a bit terrifying though doesn't it oh yeah Definitely, definitely. I, I, even still, it's, uh, it's, it's, you have to be a very crazy person to think that you are that person. But if you have the ability to be like, yeah, fuck yeah, me, I'm awesome, you know, play the Kanye, let me, let me fucking drive around in my thought Maserati and I'm the best. But like, that's, that's how you have to do it. Because if you keep doubting yourself and you're like, nah, I probably can't do that, then you probably can't. Your brain is going to will yourself into failure. So if you want to do something, just believe that you can do it. And then keep lying to yourself until it's actually true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, that reminds me of something I said to the guys uh, over at Almost Better Than Silence. Because they, they were talking to me about that whole story about how I got involved with IGN. And I said to them, I mean, the only way you're ever going to get a 100% guarantee that something's going to happen is if you just don't try. And then you have a 100% guarantee that it's not going to work out. Like, so, so many people, like, want to go for a sure thing. And it just doesn't work that way. You kind of have to risk something if you ever want to get something. Yeah, I also think a hundred percent guarantee exists. It's not you just don't know when. I mean, that's a that's a pretty crazy thing to say because I'm talking about the idea of infinity. But like, if you really <laughs> want, say you really want to write for a gaming blog, and the first time you don't succeed, the next time you have the exact same odds, which are 
whatever they are, but it's still there's always still a fraction of a chance that it might work. So if you persevere enough and you have so if you are steadfast enough, then and if you live forever, <laughs> exactly. So and if not, you're dead, and you're not going to be worrying about it because you're going to be right, all dead. Yeah. So, but yeah, you're you're right. In in an infinite universe with infinite time, then everything has a 100% chance of happening. Yeah, but not even logistically. I think everyone, if they want, if you want to do something, I think you have a pretty good chance of doing it before your inevitable death. But I think you have a pretty good chance of doing it. And if not, at least you tried at it, like you said. I think it would take a rare kind of person to have rather never tried and regret not trying for the rest of their lives over having tried and failed, because at least you can say that you tried. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, we all fail. So at least we can all be like, well, I tried. Because <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever done something and be like, well, that was it. I'm done. Like, I think everyone always wants more. So at the end, you're always going to kind of be like, man, I wish I did that. But it's a lot more of a pain to be like, I didn't even try. <laughs> and I've, I've always found that, like, creative people tend to be really hard on themselves about their own work. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's generally the people that produce the worst work that are completely happy with the work that they produce. Mm-hmm. But if someone's actually producing something good, then they're like, no, this isn't good. This is fucking terrible. It's got this, this, and this wrong with it. And I should have done this over here and carried the three and divided by four over here. And I think it's because like a lot of creative people are always just striving to do better. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've never been satisfied with anything that I've done, and I don't necessarily think that that's unhealthy because it's what makes me get better at it. Exactly. I totally agree with that. Uh, I think there's definitely a different rare breed where you think that you're terrible at it and you also happen to be terrible at it. I think that's me. But other than that, I totally agree with everything you just said. <laughs> well, we can't all be, uh, we can't all be Yaniv and wear a Kentucky Fried Chicken necklace and spit out some sick rhymes. Yeah, he doesn't like doing any of that stuff. That's why we make him do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always get the feeling that you're forcing him to do that stuff. Well, all the bits we tell Yaniv to do, uh, we tell him the day of, which makes it extra funny. Uh, except for Gerard Depardieu, we told him the day before. But then we tell him the day of, he never wants to do it, and then we make him do it. So uh, he, he always is like, I don't want to do this. Can it be someone else? This, I, this is so stupid. I'm not going to be able to do this. And we're like, that is the exact reason why you have to do it. Because you're going to do something weird, and that's going to be funnier than if someone were actually really talented at rapping. It's funnier <laughs> because you're, you're not super good at rapping, and that's why you have to do it, because it's going to be awesome, Yaniv. <laughs> I love how everybody has their own thing over there. Like, that's Yaniv's thing, and your thing is hurting yourself for the entertainment of others. I think that's, that, that is the things that we do, because that's what we could do right now. It's like, I think it was up to us, so we'd be, like, riding gold jet skis over sharks and explosions. But, yeah, for now, I get punched in the dick, Yaniv <laughs> says a funny thing, and Kevin yells. So, I'm down with those, uh... <laughs> <laughs> with those stereotypes but hopefully we can move away from them in the future <laughs> i was actually uh i was legitimately worried about you after you got shot in the back with that paintball gun oh, I because was too. <laughs> it looked like you were seriously hurt there for a minute yeah I, the initial force of it kind of shocked me because it was a lot of mass moving but at the end of the day that much mass all stuck together doesn't move necessarily quickly so it wasn't enough to really blow a hole in me but it did it did shock me and knock me down for a second but the bruises weren't too severe like a regular paintball gun would have left a more serious bruise but uh the sheer mass of it was the thing that was surprising to me (laughs) um also for anyone that's listening to this that doesn't know what the hell alex and i are talking about 
on a recent episode of The Attack, he may have gotten a large amount of paintballs fired out of an air cannon at him. Yeah, the problem with that is that we were like, hey, we'll put it in this air cannon, all the loose paintballs will spray all over the place and hit everybody who was all lined up, which was me, uh, our friend Phil Gavlin, and uh, and Kevin. But we left them out in the sun, so they just kind of all stuck together, and then we stuck it in the barrel of the gun anyway, and then they just fired out all together, much as a bullet would, and hit me all at once. <laughs> uh, and it just turned into a a single cannon for one, which all hit me. So that that is what happened. So what what went through your mind right away when you got hit by it? Like because whenever you got up off the ground, the look on your face made me think that you seriously thought that you were hurt. Uh, no, it was like I I did this. I was totally okay with it. I was like after the <laughs> after the initial shock, like when I got up, I was like I was aware of the pain. Other than that, I wasn't too like pissed about it because I did it that whole day. That whole cannon, everyone was like, Alex, we can't do this. This is just too dangerous. Because originally we were going to shoot it at other people, and me and Kevin were going to stay at the desk. I'm like, we can't. They were like, you can't do that. And I was like, okay, I will I will take all the shots. And that was originally the plan. <laughs> I was like, I am so confident in the uh, in the safety of this stunt. Because they were like, it's going to blow up. It's Because we initially tested it by shooting a can, which is what it was built to do. And the can, if you pressurize it all the way, it turns into just a weapon of destruction, which you saw because we shot a watermelon with it, and the watermelon exploded, and they were like, this is going to kill somebody, we cannot do this. And I was like, I think it's going to be fine. Uh, and there was a <laughs> lot of fine-tuning. Like everything, in the, Originally, everything we put in it basically turned into a bullet and all fired at once. A burrito like literally decimated a table we put behind it because it was just so much mass in one shot. But we found out how to make the uh, the air cannon spray whatever we put in it pretty pretty like a pretty good spray and not turn everything into a, a cannon shell. So it was fairly safe, and I was like, I will take all of it. Uh, I think it is safe. I think we should definitely do it. It's a great bit. Uh, and not, no, not not that everyone didn't think it was a great bit. Everyone was like, this is great. We should do this. Oh no, it was a fantastic bit for sure. But rightfully so, everyone was like, this is probably too dangerous. We can't afford someone getting hurt. And having someone out for that long. So we sh- probably shouldn't do it. And that was probably the right thing to do. I, I was wrong in being like, man, I don't really care. We should definitely do the bit. So uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, me getting hurt the most, I was like, I'm totally fine with this. <laughs> well, and at the end of the day, look how much money it raised for you guys. Like, Especially at the last minute when people realized, wait, we might not actually see them shoot all of these things out of the cannon at Alex. Like, it jumped up, like, almost $1,000 at the end, didn't it? Yeah, well, we, we weren't supposed to. I was like, I really don't. The paintballs would really suck. That would be terrible. The paintballs are going to be terrible. We should probably not do those. So we made it, like, a, a thing that wasn't going to happen. And, I don't, and Kevin really didn't want to get shot with that Happy Meal. That wasn't, like, him being like, all right, I'll do it. Like, he was like, all right, if we hit it, I'll do it, but I don't think that's going to happen. And then... As people do, they rallied. Kevin got hit with that Happy Meal. It was disgusting. He, he got hit with a hamburger and nuggets and a shake and fries and apple slices. Uh, and then we were like, all right, that was a fun way to end the show. That was a good button on the bit. And then they're like, oh, wait, we got a bunch of money. We actually have to do the paintballs. Um, <laughs> and I was like, god damn it. But I can't complain because we needed that money for gear and stuff. So I was like, all right, well, yeah, we can do that. Well, we did say we would do that. So. Oh, yeah. I don't think we've ever been like, hey, give us this money and then we'll do it. And then not done it. Like we 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 know where uh, not to look the gift horse in the mouth. And if we say in the mouth, and if we say we're going to do it, we we I think every time have done it. So we, we're very careful about what we say, but we we have been, we have done it. Was it more of a case of uh, you would do it if you got to the amount of money, but you kind of put the paintballs at a figure you thought you were never going to reach? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Because I was like, this is probably if we're talking about danger, this is probably the only dangerous one. And everyone was like. 
Yeah, we could probably stop at the Happy Meal. I don't think we're we don't we, I don't think we need to do the paintballs. Just do it at something that you know everyone can look and laugh at and be like, eh, we're not going to raise that much money. Right. Th- throw out some ridiculous value that's never going to happen. But at the end of the day, it's like. I mean, we have to be fully willing to accept that we have to do it. So it wasn't too bad that we were like, uh, this is just straight up too dangerous. Or else we probably wouldn't have put it on the list. But we definitely thought it was a bad idea. So we, yeah, we, we made it at a, at a number that I don't think any of us wanted to get to. We were totally fine with any number before that, but it happened. So we were like, well, shit. Yeah, well, you know, it happens. It definitely does. It definitely does. Not the worst thing that's ever happened. Well, what is the worst thing that's ever happened? Mm. Oh, man. What is the worst stunt we've done? I, I think uh, in, in terms of grossness, the worst thing we've done had to be the God Killer, which was uh, a shake with a bunch of fast food. And it was like a Taco Bell and a, sh- a chocolate shake and a cheeseburger and a McMuffin that was sitting out and then hot sauce and mustard and mayonnaise. And then the worst was dog food that was in it. And like vegan safe tuna, which was just like tofu that had a tuna stench to it, all blended together, and I had to drink it, and I just straight up threw up into a bucket for the end of the episode. Uh, and then pain-wise, uh, it actually wasn't the paintball air cannon. It it was we tried to I tried to catch uh, balloons filled with condiments that were being dropped from Kevin from a ladder, and I was wearing a suit of tacks. And uh, I tried to catch them with chopsticks, which I, I pretty much well knew I could only maybe get one or two. So the rest were hitting me in like mustard and stuff and syrup were all hitting me in balloon form and breaking on my, my tack vest and getting all on over my face and my shirt and stuff. And then for, uh, for like extra big donations, we filled them with hot sauce. Uh, and I didn't learn from my previous uh, hot sauce experience where we put hot sauce on a twister mat and I got it on my butt cheeks and then I had fire ass. Because <laughs> hot sauce, you know, capsaicin capsaicin. If it gets in an orifice, it will burn. So uh, they dropped it, and it got all over my neck and face and my shirt. And then very slowly, it started to get absorbed through my skin. And I just – everything oh, on, God. on me was fucking spicy as shit. So I was like – I was in a real bad situation. My, my whole upper body, like, turned bright red. It was, like, burning from the, from the capsaicin. And I was just like, ow, ow, we have to stop now. Ow, this is the worst. Uh, and I they basically – sprayed me with a hose for 30 minutes and then I had to go inside and put my head under the sink for another 30 minutes and I they had to cut me out of my shirt it was terrible I fucking hate hot sauce on my skin now and then the one I liked the least had to be the uh the dog collar where I put a shock collar on myself and then for every subscriber that came in I got shocked Uh, and the problem with that is I fucking learned I hate electric shocks and (laughs) Uh, I couldn't do the show because I was so scared of it coming in that all I was thinking about is getting shocked. So I couldn't actually think about doing the show. So that was my least favorite was the dog collar. How, uh, because the only thing that I've had a significant electric shock from is like uh, one of those fake lighters or pens that like, like a gag product that gives you a little jolt. How does it compare to that? Is it like a bunch worse or is it similar? It feels just like two needles. The way, the way a dog collar works is it's just two probes Two little metal, you know, stickers that you that you put on yourself, like two little toothpicks that you put on yourself, and those are the two contacts. And then it just feels like they have little needles in them, and they just shoot into your nerves. And that's it's a very quick, very sharp, terrible thing. Ooh, um, I've never been tasered. Feels more. This is more localized. Tasers like whole body, and I've been electrocuted before, like uh, by like standard AC power. Uh, and I don't really remember that because it was a real long time ago, but I know that the dog collar is just like two little needles of electricity poking you and it's, it's pretty shitty. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought of it like that. 
I guess, I guess I technically lied. I did get the the worst electric shock that I've had was um, whenever I was sixteen. I worked at a bowling alley, and all of the machines were like really old. They were like from the seventies, and they were held together with duct tape and prayers. And anytime one of them broke down, which was a lot because of how old they were, you'd have to run down back yourself and figure out what was wrong and try to fix it if you knew how. But I went down to fix a problem the one time, and I'm up on top of this machine, and I have to throw the breaker to turn the machine back on. Mm-hmm. But I'm in a position where, like, I have to lean across the top of the machine to do it. So I'm leaning over to flip the switch on the breaker, and I realize I can't quite make it the whole way. So I reach back, and I grab a hold of a metal piece of the machine, because I'm 16 and I'm fucking stupid. And I hang off of that so that I can lean over farther and flip the breaker. And as soon as my finger touches the breaker switch, it completes a circuit from that metal rod that I'm hanging off of to the breaker. And I just get the worst electric shock I've ever had my entire life. I don't know how dangerous it was. It probably could have killed me. Well, that's when you became Bowling Man and you had the ability (laughs) to talk to bowling balls. Talk to bowling balls, uh, bowling pins run in fear. Yeah. But um, what that felt like, it was just like, it didn't even feel like an electric shock. It just felt like all the muscles in my body contracted really hard all at the same time. Probably yeah. because that's what electricity makes your muscles do. Yeah, I think the, I think uh, physiologically that's exactly what they do. <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't feel like electricity, though. It just felt like, like if you squeeze your hand into a fist really hard, mm-hmm. that sensation, but every muscle in your body. Yeah. I mean, very I, I thought that that story was going to go, you just tried to turn it off with your dick. You're like, well, if I hang off this, <laughs> I can reach over with, all right, go, all right. Let's be honest here, Alex. If I used my dick, I wouldn't have had to hang at all. I could have reached from the platform I was standing on. Fair enough, sir, and congratulations. <laughs> it's completely useless for sex, but I can lasso women from across the room. Yeah. That <laughs> sounds more of a dangerous proposition than I would have hoped for, but again, congratulations. <laughs> um... So something that I've uh, been wondering for a while after watching the attack, um, I can't tell how much of an act and a bit this is and how serious it is. The best example I can think of is that bit that you did where uh, you were like sticking different vegetables that were phallic shaped in your mouth and spitting them back out into a glass. Do you remember that bit? I do remember that. That was the, uh, that was the, um, I believe a woman tried to use a goose call, but she just ended up sucking it like a dick. And then I chose to make a salad, but to make the salad, I sucked everything like a dick. Yes, that's uh, the one. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> well, the the thing that I've always wondered, and this is a great example of it, Kevin did not seem happy with that bit at all. And it's hard to tell if, like, when he gets down on you like that while you're recording, if he's actually pissed off at you because of the immaturity of some of the jokes that you do sometimes. And I don't necessarily mean that as a bad thing, but, like, your humor tends to be more of an immature thing compared to the jokes that Kevin makes sometimes. And that's that's not a bad thing. It's just a different style of humor. But it seems like it pisses Kevin off sometimes from the viewer perspective, and I can't tell if he's acting or if he's legitimately angry sometimes. 
So here's what I would have to say about that bit. That bit was not a good bit. Uh, it, it, did Kevin like it? I We've never actually talked about it. We, I mean, after the show, we just go back to being friends, and then that's it. And then it's like, I'm hungry, and then the fart, and that's it. Like, I don't think it's ever... Nothing has ever happened where it's after the show, he's like, Hey, listen, never fucking do that again. <laughs> did he not like the bit? I've never actually asked him. But if he actually had a problem with the bit, he would not say anything on air. So I would have to assume that... Even if he didn't like the bit, the way that he reacted was definitely was a was a bit in of itself to mm-hmm. because you you have to think about that bit. It's like the, I it was a poorly designed bit, not because I was sucking everything like a dick. Kevin uh, is is a is a a comical genius. He is one of the smartest people I know. That that is something I have heard him say way more immature things. So the actual content of the bit was not what maybe he didn't like. What what the what the problem with that bit was is that I didn't plan an out for it. There was no punchline. There was no button. <laughs> so I think that was his way of creating one, which was, Alex, stop doing that. That's the worst. And then when he gives me that, I have the character of I keep doing it. And then he has the character of stop doing it. So it, <laughs> it gives it some, you know, some dynamism that I did not program into it. So was he mad at it? It doesn't matter because he actually saved the bit or else it wouldn't have been anything. No, I, I definitely agree that the, what Kevin did and uh, creating that dynamic between the two of you after that point, that definitely made it a lot funnier than it had been previously. But yeah, was he actually mad at me? No, I don't think so. I don't think that's ever really happened with anything that has ever, I've ever, I would have, if, if he actually had a problem with it, it's not like I surprised him with bits, like he comes in and then I, I run down what I've thought of. And then he's like, if it's, if it doesn't make any sense, or like I said, it's an incomplete bit. Like, it's, it doesn't have an actual joke to it. He'll be like, all right, think about it. We'll do it some other day because it's not ready right now. So he didn't say that. If, any, if I ever did anything really seriously problem, he would, he would be like, yeah, we could probably stop doing this. But uh, the only time I can really think of in any recent memory where we did that was actually recently with that Chizza bit, which was Yaniv wearing a, you know, a necklace made of fried chicken and a hat uh, <laughs> of KFC, and he did chicken puns. Uh, I kind of feel like that's because no one realized how racist it was beforehand. Well, it seemed like it wasn't. See, you have to be careful because it wasn't inherently racist. We didn't say anything racist. <laughs> we didn't even. We didn't even make ties to race. Yes, Yaniv is a is a Jewish white man, and he happened to be wearing <laughs> a necklace of fried chicken. Not because we believe that any rappers have any uh, affectation to fried chicken beyond anyone else, but it's because. Yaniv was a fried chicken wrapper, and that's, that is what a fried chicken wrapper would wear. Uh, but our worry was there was no context if people were to just tune in. Because as, you know, sometimes right. we're on the front page of Twitch, to just tune into our channel and see that happening. So because there was no, there was no, like, there was no lower third explaining what he was, the bit kind of trailed off so he wasn't constantly explaining that he was the chizza. He was the fried chicken wrapper. So we had to pull the bit because, again, it was not... It was not thought out enough. So that, and that was Kevin's, you know, the idea of that was Kevin. And he was like, this obviously should have happened a while ago, but I'm going to sandbag this bit. It's over. So <laughs> again, the totally right choice by Kevin, uh, you know, as always. I, I definitely think it's interesting to, because a, a lot of uh, the challenges that you guys have with your show is that it's live. A lot of skit shows aren't live and they can they can take the time to refine what they're working on and if they mess up they can record it again and they can edit everything together at the end but you guys get one take to do everything so 
it's definitely really interesting to watch how you guys react when things don't go the way that you expect them to go Mm -hmm. because a a lot of the time and this is both of you not not just kevin but you too a lot of the time you respond in a way that like is so off the wall but it totally saves it from failing like it looked like it was about to yeah i mean that's see if i had if i could name my favorite things about doing things live is that like or not even doing things live, doing doing comedy bits like that live. It's like my favorite part is actually if the if the stunt goes off and it's a good joke or the bit makes sense or there's a character that's funny. That's my favorite thing. But right behind it, my second favorite thing is when it fails stupendously and we can make comments about how terrible it is or just totally burn the fucker down and just go nuts and try to save it that way. Like, you know, my favorite thing is when it goes well. My second favorite thing is when it crashes and burns. And that's that's pretty much the uh, the 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 road we take because like no one wants anything if if it if it fizzles out that's my least favorite thing I don't want us to just be like well that sucked it's either (laughs) you know great success high five or burn the fucker to the ground so (laughs) whatever happens it's going to be spectacular yes fireworks either way (laughs) well and I mean it just uh it seems like the the form that you guys are doing it in is the hardest one to pull off. I can't imagine having to do something like that live. Like, this podcast is going to be edited. They're not going to hear it the way you and I are hearing it right now. And uh, they're certainly not going to be hearing all the fucking swearing you've been doing this whole time. Come on, Alex. Oh, I didn't... Is, is this is this a family-friendly podcast? <laughs> it's, it's not a family-friendly podcast, but you shouldn't have said the word cunt 86 times in 40 minutes. Oh, my God. Well, cunt, yeah, you should have told me. Damn it. There goes my gig with Disney. Ah, oh, come on now. So, um, because a, a lot of what's going on at Super Creative right now is Kevin, and right, rightly so, because it's his company and it's his brainchild. But I was wondering if there were any plans in the works to add shows to the network that might have different hosts or maybe be hosted by just you or something like that. So, yes, that is our plan. And for all intents and purposes, that is what we're trying to do. problem with that it's not that we don't want that to happen is that we, we can't do it. So as we would love to bring all our friends in and have a, a whole slate of shows and be a, a great network that takes a lot of time and money. And those are things uh, we don't have yet. So trust me, the, the ideas are not, uh, are not, not there. We have ideas for probably if I think about five or six shows, say we got a billion dollars by some crazy Richard Branson. We could pull off everything in our mind starting tomorrow. Like, we have ideas. We would have to flesh them out, get, you know, get crews and stuff. But, like, we could start working on them tomorrow. But right now, we have enough people and resources to make one show. And for those who don't know how production works, like, it's pretty – it's not one person per show, although we're getting close to it. But it's, like, all – Four of us make one show, and that's the attack. And everyone else has other things to do. Kevin hosts national television shows. Yaniv uh, works on everything else Super Creative does, whether it's a commercial or uh, a Real Housewives of Horror or a true TV show or anything. That's you know he also has to do that. Uh, we have another guy, James, who just he's a wheeler and dealer. He's making the attack a real thing. And we have Los, who runs all the technical stuff plus interns. And that all goes to one show. Uh, so just to make the attack work, it's a it's a lot of people. So to make a new show, we'd need four, three, or four new people, including talent. So we would need the gear to also do it, plus the people, plus the people to make it work, plus the guests who whatever is happening. It's not, it's not that we don't want to, it's just that we can't. Do I, I can only really speak for myself, but do I have anything I would like to do? 
Yeah, I would. I would love to have a. Uh, I mean, it's. I kind of have reservations about doing it because it seems like everyone has a podcast. Uh, no, no offense to you having your own podcast. It's great that everyone has it. I would like to have one myself, but that is something. Uh, if if I were to ever come around to a little bit of time, if I get because the thing is, I'm not great at producing the attack, so it takes me a long time. But if I ever have a lot of time. Uh, I would love to have my own podcast to sit down and shoot the shit with people. And uh, would would that be something if if you had the time to produce it? Would that be something that could potentially make its way onto the podcast network that you guys already have? Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, that that's most likely how that would work. I, it would be like anything. I'd I'd probably do a couple episodes, see if I, if I can even do it before I'd even sully our name with something like that. But yeah, I, I would love for it to exist on the family that we've created. And um, if if I'm not prying too much, like what sort of uh, what sort of podcast would you want to do? Because I I would think that the main danger of like you doing your own podcast where you're sitting down and just shooting the shit with people would be trying to distance yourself from pointless because you wouldn't just want it to be the cheap knockoff of pointless yeah i would probably i've uh, i've been thinking about it only very recently because before it wasn't even a, a glimmer of my eye because my whole life is, is devoted to making the attack work uh but i've been toying around with the idea it would be a lot more formatted it probably wouldn't as i say shoot the shit that that was a, a figure of speech it would probably be a pretty formatted show because as as i always think it's like why would anyone want to listen to me talk about stuff when they can listen to anybody else do it so uh, i would probably yes hide behind some sort of format uh, anything I do is is going to be stupid, um, and I've I've kind of decided that with my with with a show that I would have. It's like it's got to be dumb. It's got to be really really kind of trivial and dumb because that's my favorite thing to do is just be dumb with people. And that's I think everyone's best side is their really stupid and silly side. So anything anything I do would probably be very formatted and very dumb because I like both of those things. <laughs> I love that so much because if you if you heard anybody else describe something that they wanted to make, I don't think anybody would go. I want to make the dumbest thing I can possibly make. Yeah, I mean that's that's uh, I, I believe it was um, uh, Grace Helbig who said, you know, my favorite compliment is saying that's so stupid because that that is something that, that that's really what what gets me is is that's what I think is funny is stupid and dumb. I love well thought out comedy. I think it's amazing. Uh, one of my favorite specials is Mike Birbiglia. Is it's actually everything Mike Birbiglia has done, but everything he does is super. It's like a fucking art piece. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that I do and the stuff that I love doing is is silly and stupid and is not that thought provoking. It's just straight up just craziness. So that's something I would I would want to do is 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 just be stupid. That really sounds interesting. Like I can't even wrap my head around what a show like that would even be. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you could do in the podcast world, but like, I think, I think some of the most perfect forms of entertainment are like a Japanese like game show. It's just like crazy shit happening, and there's like small reactions <laughs> in the corner, and also a robot's dancing, and like a like a Saturday Saturday morning like Spanish like Sabado Gigante kind of show where everyone's like dancing, and then the crowd gets up and they're all singing this jingle, and then cross that with like just like what's inside Weird Al's brain, just crazy shit going on. And uh, then some of the stuff that we do, just kind of knowing what you're talking about, but also doing it in a dumb way. I think being smart while being stupid is, is, uh, is, is a talent. Just well-educated dick jokes are my favorite. So that is something I aspire to be, is, is so smart it's stupid. I'm also quite the connoisseur of dick jokes. Back when I was writing for Cracked.com, our titles on the forums were purveyors of dick jokes. 
Like, that's what your default title was. It was purveyor of dick jokes. Because that, that was always what the, uh, that was always what the format was back then. It was, here's some new and interesting information you didn't know presented in a comedic, funny way with as many dick jokes as possible. Exactly. So I, trust me, I understand some of the critiques with me. It's like, listen, we get it. Dicks are funny. Uh, you don't have to lean on all the time. And I don't think I do, but if anyone who says dick jokes hey, are not funny... if you can lean on your dick all the time, I mean, that's impressive. Oh, and I do. I need to get them their own Dr. Shoals. They're starting to get bunions. It's like, I, I... Those of you who don't say dick jokes are funny, eat a dick. Because they are... It's funny. They're tubes of meat. You are stupid if you don't like dick jokes. <laughs> yeah. Just an otter pop made of flesh. That's all I'm talking about, guys. You've, uh, you've spent a lot of time thinking about silly names for dicks, haven't exactly, you? Exactly, yeah. It's fucking meat burrito, dude. <laughs> so, something else that I was wondering. You guys put on a show three days a week for the attack. Yes. And it's between an hour and two hours in length on average, right? Yes. So, at the most, that's six hours of programming a week. How much time goes into creating that behind the scenes? Seven days a week. <laughs> it just never stops. Yes. Uh, my schedule is every minute of every day. And, yeah, that's I don't think that is hyperbole. I think every day of the week from the time I wake up, except for I take Sunday to, like, I cook all my meals at the same time so I, can, so I don't have to waste time cooking during the week. You can just microwave shit during the week? Yeah. But uh, every, uh, every, every day, from the moment I wake up, I hop on my computer to the moment I go to bed. So in terms of production and like actually writing down what the show is going to be, it's a lot of me. I, and then I lean on Kevin for support. And then he comes in the day of and we run through it. He punches it up. He adds his own stuff to the rundown that he's been working on. And then we go. Well, what, uh, what does that preparation process look like? Like, is, is it a lot of research on your own? Is there time spent where you're uh, sitting down at a table together and brainstorming shit, bouncing ideas off of one another? Like, what, what does the process look like? Basically, say this is a show day. We do the show. The show ends. Um, I take about 30 minutes to not do anything. I kind of just sit around when I'm lucky. Sometimes we have to hop right into a Patreon cast or we have to shoot something really quick. Uh, but I take I take a little bit. Um, I just kind of sit around, and then I kind of start working on the next day's show. Uh, and it's don't no one cry for me, no one weep. It's a lot of uh, the first, you know, the uh, the first part of the show is just looking at the internet. I look at Reddit. I look at Kotaku. I look at a bunch of forum sites. I look at all the you know geeky nerdy news sites. I look at uh, stuff to try to draw content from, and that's the whole first half of it. Honestly, it's just finding shit. So. Well, I mean, people who aren't content creators might not understand that so much, but 90% of creating any sort of content that's based on real information winds up being researching. Exactly. Uh, it's not like super serious researching. I'm not like, I need to get the facts. I'm not like, you know, Jay Jameson being like, yeah, you're fired, Spider-Man. Like, I'm, I'm honestly like looking through Reddit, but it is, it's different from when I just look through shit, you know, as a, uh, at the beach, as I'm flipping through a magazine. Like, I'm looking for content. I am on a search. Everything I look at, I think, what can we do with this? Is this something people want to see? Is it funny? Can there be a bit off of this? Can this spin into a story? Can this do something like that? So before a show, I have 48 hours. So a good, uh, honestly, a good like eight or nine hours is me just looking at shit and trying to find what is the most interesting, what I can take time out of people's day to show them, you know? Um, and that's what my favorite thing to do is show people things and then t talk about them. So a good half of the show is just me finding shit. 
and then deciding what what is there to say about it? How does this lead into this? And, and is this worth showing? And then it gets put into the rundown, which is just a giant Google Doc of the show and how it's going to go. And then I take all that shit. Then I start to break down, what can we do with this? How can we do a joke on this? How does this lead into this? What do I have to say about it? And then, so say this is show happens on a Monday. Monday night, I start looking for shit. Tuesday morning, I'm still looking for shit. I'm taking care of anything. Say we have a pointless podcast. I have to do some other producing for anything. I take that care of that on Tuesday. And then Tuesday night, I start thinking about uh, what to do with those bits. Like, so how we're going to do them. I start blocking out what the bits are, what kind of production, if we need cameras, if we need people, if we need that. Uh, and then that Wednesday that the show, the theoretical show is on, I get in. I do one last look for any pieces of little gold that we can get the jump on. Uh, there obviously probably won't be a bit for those, but any last bits of gold, I do a, like an hour of trolling the internet for that kind of stuff. Then we start shooting the bit, the you know the little thing we want to do, little featurette. Maybe I record some B-roll for a game we want to review. Uh, I start cutting. A lot of the time, the day of, is from the time I get in at around 9 to 4 o'clock showtime, is just I'm staring at Premiere and I'm shooting stuff and then I have to cut the videos down to just the funniest parts or I have to do an edit joke, which is like I want to edit a dick into this so I have to sit in Premiere and After Effects and quickly hammer out. Uh, I've gotten very good at hammering out edits very, very quickly. So uh, I I hammer out an edit joke and edit in a dick here, a fart noise there, and pump it out and get that all ready in a folder to pull from during showtime. And then... Honestly, I do that until about 3 o'clock, 3.30. Then me and Kevin, on good days, we sit down and we run through the show, how things are going to work, how we're going to toss this, you know, stuff like that. We run through if a bit is live, because a lot of our bits are live, you know, who has to be on camera, who is in front of the camera, how the mics are going to be live switched, how the shot's going to be switched. And there are days that we, we start at around 3.30, 3.45, and then all the way through the countdown, we run through that stuff. And then 4 o'clock, we have like 20 seconds to catch our breath, and then the show starts. So um, once, the, once the cameras are rolling, how often do things go according to plan? And before you answer me, I kind of feel like the answer is never. Um, no, I think like 20% of the time. Like it <laughs> plays out how it, how it did in my head. That's a pretty good ratio. Most of the time, yeah. When I, like all the jokes are not written down. Me and Kevin, if we say something funny... It probably wasn't thought of before. We thought about, we think about structural things, so the show isn't a complete fucking mess. Um, but most of the time, every single thing we say about a thing, except for uh, some like overall thoughts about it, or how this relates to this, or how we can toss to this, we come up with on the spot. So I don't actually plan much about what jokes are going to be where or whatever, except if it's like a planned out bit. But most of the time, yeah, it's a, uh, it's fairly, it's 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 all improv. So. Things don't normally go to plan, but most of the time we don't really have a plan. I, I have the utmost respect for anybody that can pull that off because I, I do a lot of stand-up comedy in my free time, and I know how hard it is to be funny when you have everything written down and know exactly what you're supposed to say. So if you don't have a plan, if you don't necessarily know what jokes you're saying when, I can't really explain to someone who's never done comedy before. I know you have. I just mean in general. Mm-hmm. I can't really explain how different that is, but it's a completely different world. Yeah, I mean, it it is. So I, I have the you know I have the pleasure of working with Kevin. He is you know he's he's way better at being improvised. You know, being improvised 
he's way better at improvising and being funny that way. I'm not even good at saying improvise. I can't even improvise my pr- pronunciation of improvise. But yeah, he uh, he's he's the best around, and I I try to play catch up with him. But yeah, it's uh, it, it helps to be very you know I'm I'm it helps to be very good friends, and it's at the end of the day, it's 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 not really. Uh, improvising it's just kind of me and Kevin dicking around so I don't know if that kind of takes away from the seriousness of how how you thought the show runs but like at the end of the day (laughs) we produce a whole show and then me and Kevin kind of hang out and shoot the shit as if we were just like hanging out in my basement and watching a show like we it's 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 just us you know doing bits and funny voices and yelling so uh, it's cool to just hang out and, and be funny like that. No, I mean, it, it definitely doesn't take away from the show for me. If anything, it makes it more impressive because, like, when you sit down and you watch the attack, it really looks like you and Kevin are just dicking around. And I don't mean that in a bad way, that you could take that very offensively, and I don't mean it like that. Well, that's, I mean, that's that's Twitch. I mean, like, we've thought, like, should there be a prompter for the intro so we can just, like, just get through with it and then get to the videos and really... But it's not... It's not all about the content. It's not all about people aren't like I need the scoop on that new graphics card. It's like we we love the things we talk about. I we are passionate about games and tech and when we're not looking at it for the show, we're looking at it for ourselves. We talk about it exclusively when we are hanging out cuz that's all that's what we love. That's what we want to do. I don't think it's important that we are the journalistic pinnacle of producing these stories and getting that information out there, you know? At at the end of the day, Twitch is just like a huge hangout. And if we can bring some a little tiny bit, because it's not a lot. We're not great at it. But just a little tiny bit of production value and thought and kind of a more formal presentation. I think at the end of the day, it's ju- it, we're just hanging out with people. And we're just hanging and, – and that's why I love the ch- – I love looking at chat. I love all the interaction. I love taking your questions because, like, I just want to hang out. And that's, that's what the dream is. And that's what I think we're working towards. And that's what I think the show is. It's just a hangout but two of your friends are louder than everyone else <laughs> and scream and make fart noises. But yeah, it, it definitely has that feeling and that atmosphere to it. Like I've, I've never watched it and felt like I was watching a TV show so much as I felt like I was Skyping with two close friends. Yeah. That's what I like it as it's just, we're just hanging out and having fun. As long as we can do that, I think we can do the show. Fair enough. Another thing that uh, I was curious about, because you told me that you listened to Pointless prior to being involved with Super Creative at all. Yes, I did. And now you're sitting in the room while Pointless is happening a lot of the time. Yes, I am. What's that like? It's really, it's cool. It really is. I I, I wish I had something more prolific to say about it, but like, it's just (laughs) rad. I I really do love to, uh, to sit in. I love to just feel like I'm hanging out with Kevin and a guest and honestly more than more than personally like my enjoyment of the show it uh it's a it's it's a great learning experience. Listen, you can take a class online and uh that's a great way to learn something, but to actually see someone who is one of my favorite and was before this one of my favorite interviewers in the world which was Kevin work with someone personally, it's uh even more than enjoyable. It is one of the most insightful and most uh most educational things I can do. And I think I am so much more able to talk to someone just because I have watched Kevin do it in person. So beyond me kind of nerding out and being like, whoa, he's talking to this person. This person's really rad. It's more like it's crazy how Kevin can dive into someone's brain and feel like uh, they've been friends forever and really uh, get an interesting, thought-provoking and also really hilarious conversation out of anyone he sits down with. So more than anything, I am, I am admiring 
Kevin's ability to interview, and as well as what the interviewer has to say, but just most of the time, I'm, I'm in awe about how great of an interviewer Kevin is, and, and I, I'm trying to learn from doing that. Yeah, it definitely is crazy and awe-inspiring, just to like, just to see how he can, no matter who it is, get to something that's really deep and profound in the middle of a conversation, even if he's never spoken to the person before. Yeah. That's not easy at all. No, it's not. It, it's pretty awesome. I, I, I enjoy nothing less than, um, than, than being in that room. Cause honestly, like, job's probably better cut out for Los. I fuck up a lot, but like, I, I insist that I ask for a favor and, and go sit in and run the board because I, I love being in there. I really do. I can kind of see where you're coming from in that you, uh, you just kind of are paying attention to him interviewing and stuff like that. But I gotta say, if, if our roles were reversed and it was me sitting there running the board while this was happening, Every now and then, I would just kind of stop and in my head go, what the fuck is happening right now? Did you ever get those moments? I did, but I stopped doing that. And it's really hard to relate to, but I stopped doing that because a lot of what I do, uh, I'd kind of spook myself if I did that. The more I think that everything is normal, the less I am worried about it. Because honestly, I I still, you know, it's only been two years that I've been doing anything remotely like I do. So if I really thought about what I was doing at any time, instead of just having fun and pretending like this is normal, I would probably spook myself to the to the point of not being able to do anything. So most of the time when I'm like, hey, I'm doing this stream and a bunch of people on the internet are watching me talk and play a video game, I just focus on having fun because if I thought about that, I'd be like, why are they doing that? What am I doing? Am I being interesting? What's wrong? Do I smell funny? Like I, no one can even smell me <laughs> and I'm smelling my damn self because I would just – I would get so paranoid about doing anything. And yeah, I mean I, I, I tend not to think about that because yeah, it would, it would really weird me out. So I just kind of pretend like everything's fine. It's just like I'm sitting I'm sitting in the and the room around me is just kind of melting with with time and weird space that's happening and circumstance. But I'm like, this is fine. No, I mean that's that's definitely a good way to look at it because it's really easy to psych yourself out with stuff like that. I've definitely been there. I've I've done that with some of the early things that I've done for IGN because in my head I'm just like, Oh my god, I'm IGN wants me to submit this article that they've accepted. What if it's not good enough? What if they what if they get this and they're like, "Oh, we we made a mistake accepting this from this guy. What he turned in is fucking terrible. He just needs to go away forever now." And that's not that's not a healthy spiral to put yourself in mentally. Yeah, but, but it's it's still something that I I get caught in uh all the time. It's kind of a weird thing to kind of think about, but like most of the time it's important to think, to listen to your audience and understand, you know, comedy is all about listening to your audience. And if a joke doesn't work, you have to take note of that and you have to change things and you have to think about why it didn't work and learn from every joke you tell. But most of the time, beforehand, I'm not really worried. Uh, and I think that comes from doing stand-up, but I'm not worried about what the audience is going to do because I will learn from that experience. But it's not the end of the world if people think something I say is dumb or they disagree with me or they don't think I'm funny. Um, I'm more concerned about uh, Kevin and and Yaniv and people who I look up to in terms of comedy and and even production. Like, I am worried about what they would think because I just want to – because they, you know, inherently just letting me do the things I do is kind of a a fucking dice roll every time. Like, why are we letting this kid do this? Um, I know they don't think that, but that's what I think they think. And I don't want to let anybody down because I honestly – I still look up to every day to Kevin – 
And it's, it's, it used to just be from an admiring standpoint, but now it's from a personal standpoint. Like, he's trust me to do this. I really don't want to disappoint him. The audience, I want to make the best stuff. And I, re- I really, I, I do want people to, to think what I say is funny. So I do, I, it is important, but at the end of the day, I, I, I just don't want to, uh, I don't want to disappoint Kevin for letting me have this opportunity. So most of the time, yeah, I'm still like, I, I hope he doesn't think this is really stupid. So yeah, that, that's the only time I kind of psych myself out is like, man, I, I, it's a weird situation to be in because, um, most of the, most of the time people have uh, a long time to kind of hone their craft and then they, they start to work with people they really admire. But I did stand-up comedy for uh, and writing comedy for uh, about a week before I started working with Kevin. So I didn't have a lot of time to become comfortable with myself and kind of hone my craft. So not only is one of the people I really look up to seeing my work, but they're seeing it at literally the worst it's ever been. And then, I mean, it's great because there's nowhere to go but up. But literally, I had no prior experience. So it's, it's, it's kind of weird like that. It's kind of trippy, but yeah. Yeah, you kind of you kind of have to go through the awkward uh, experience of learning how to do everything under the supervision of someone you admire so much. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely been uh, a hurdle. But over time, it's it's uh, it's been really freaky, but it's definitely pushed me to work harder than I thought I would ever do anywhere else. And it was when I fucking first got the job at like this like this campus TV station. I'm like, I want to get off on the right foot, and I want everyone to respect what I do. And I was, but at the end of the day, I'd be like, nah, still kind of fuck it. But like to have you know, someone who, who really who really inspires you to, to, you know, be in direct contact with what you make. I'm kind of like, yeah, I should probably not fuck this up. I should probably not fuck this up. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, it's definitely, it's been kind of a trial by fire, but also it's been a, a fun and awesome way to do things. So well, I think you have a really good head on your shoulders and a really good way of looking at it. So sure hope so. If not, I'll figure out. I'll live in a box. I mean, if not, you can always just go find someone wandering down a dark alley and take their head and see if it's a better head to put on your shoulder. Trust me, but... I, have a, I have a small collection of heads I would prefer. <laughs> honestly, I think I got a big head. I like Honestly, I look at myself and I'm like, man, that, that dude's got a big head and that's me. It's because my body is real slim. I got kind of like a, a bean. You know, we don't have to get into it. I look like a, a, a crazy beanstalk man. <laughs> All right, well, I, I know that you've got to get going, so uh, I think that's a good place to end it, but why don't you tell everybody that's listening where they can find your stuff? Okay, so if anyone wants to find anything I do, and I don't know why, maybe maybe you're, you're lost in the world, maybe you don't know which way to turn. I've been there, and you're like, this guy is, makes interesting things. I want to find this man. Well, first of all, I'm sorry. Second of all, you can go to Twitter or Instagram. I use the same name for both of those things. It's at Alex T, as in Thomas Korea, because that's my middle name. Uh, and Korea is C-O-R-E-A, like the country, but with a C. Or you can find me every day on The Attack. Uh, it's twitch.tv slash The Attack. Go watch it. Every day at 4, we'll have some piece of content on during the week. So go look at that. And then if not, just like look around North Hollywood. I'll be walking around. I go to the Ralphs a lot if you want to stab me you can meet me there but other than that yeah uh twitch.tv slash the attack i should be more sympathetic i tend to get lost in my mind whoa i wanna get away i wanna leave today no more waiting no more lies i'm fried broke no time to fight Welcome back to the future, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed Alex and I's conversation. 
If you liked it and you want to see some more, this is going to be a weekly podcast, so you can feel free to tune in next week, and we'll have a brand new episode with a brand new guest. And if you enjoyed it, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends, murder someone in an alleyway, and leave life in overdrive scrawled on the wall in their blood, so that the first person who stumbles into that alleyway is confronted by a horrific crimson warning that they can't understand. But they're forced to run through the streets of the town shouting, Life in overdrive is coming! Flee while you still have your souls! Any little bit helps when a podcast is just starting out like this one is, so anything that you can do to show your support would be greatly appreciated. The first song in the podcast is called Holy Ghost by a band named Hip Shooters. They're really good personal friends of mine, and I just want to take this time to thank them for allowing me to use their music. The song you heard right before we came to this outro after the interview was called Dead Town, and that's another hip shooter song. And now we're going to ride it out on one of the coolest guitar riffs I've ever heard by my good friend Doug Coleman, who is the host of the Almost Better Than Silence podcast here on the Almost Better Than Silence network. This is his band, Spyglass Hill, and this is the outro to their song, Intense Like a Circus. (laughs) 